Hello, dear. Thank you, Commander Blaine. Up Joseph is in good hands. I am here as her advocate. Think of me as her guardian angel. Be strong with the Lord. And in the strength of his might. Hi, it's Gina, and we're here with Resisting Gilead. And today, my host for season four, episode three, The Crossing, is John Wambacher. So thank you, John, for, for being my co-host for today and coming on and talking about the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Been looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. We've had a really long wait for resisting Gilead and the handmaid's tale to come back but um it seems like so far it's it's well worth it uh in some ways perhaps more than others um so this is a kind of an exciting episode primarily because it's Elizabeth Moss's directorial debut um oh yeah which I was really excited about and she'll have a, a, a couple more episodes I think this season that she's directing, but um, why don't we just jump into, I don't know, I guess the, the top of the episode, which is her arrival at this prison, which yep. I am now calling the torture prison, because clearly this is next level from any type of incarceration we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the I thought the visual was pretty kind of stunning in a way like they had a camera shot and it panned up to the to the building which when I saw it it reminded me of kind of Dracula's castle it was kind of like you know it was looming in the distance and it just looked evil yeah in some ways it actually reminds me of um Azkaban the prison from Harry Potter that's out on that island where it's all yeah. stormy and rainy it was like that exact kind of night and setup too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, you know, June shows up here and, um, you know, there's Nick again. And I, I don't know what this guy is up to. I mean, what do you think? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I knew he was coming back this season from the clips and everything. But um, yeah, he... Uh, He's not one of my favorite people, to be honest. I'm not a, I'm not in the Nick, uh, I'm not in the Nick fan club necessarily. I mean, I try to understand the relationship, but it's kind of hard for me sometimes uh, to wrap my head around it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is this just like a picture of love and Gilead? You know, we've we've seen kind of the the really bizarre relationship that Fred and Serena Joy have, and um, you know, it seems like uh, June and Nick's relationship is is a uh, similar yet slightly different. Um, perhaps there's actual more love there, but it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought like, you know, him like having like the intimate brush against her when he's trying to like uncuff her from the van. And I mean, the part of it's kind of creepy and I don't know. I mean, he's kind of playing the good cop kind of role here. It seems to me, you know, like I can help you, but you know, you have to tell me where the handmaids are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It, it, and it does seem like, yeah, maybe there's love there, but there's also some, there's kind of like a, a power play and he wants to still kind of have control in yeah. some way over her, yeah. um, <clears throat> which he really hasn't been able to have before just as the nature of their relationship. But now that he's a commander, he has authority. Um, you know, we find out that he was much more integral to the formation of Gilead, at least in the crusade. We found that out last season. And so um, he's definitely got more layers to him than I kind of expected, you know, just after the first couple seasons. Yeah. And the first season, they kind of downplayed him a little bit and, you know, he's just the driver. You know what I mean? 
-hmm. and then you that's when you kind of find out later you know like you're saying about his history in the war and so yeah, uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see and obviously he's going to have uh a, a, seems to me like he's going to have a pretty big role this season yeah no i agree so quickly she gets handed off to um aunt lydia they're reunited and i mean it's always the relationship between these two women is is always just so interesting and it really ebbs and flows to a point um where they seem quite um i wouldn't say allied but at least on the same page and then you know they are just doing everything they can to, it seems like to destroy each other what do you think what what's your perspective here because a lot yeah. a lot happened with these two this episode yeah i mean she starts off when they first see her saying that you know she's going to be uh her advocate and that she should look at her as her guardian angel which i mean it's kind of a scary guardian angel you know what i mean well yeah uh, and it's it's completely contradictory to what she told those commanders which was find her bring her to me and she will find her place on the wall right um, yeah oh yeah yeah um yeah i think she's trying to play both sides obviously because yeah she has to protect herself and yeah, I think she's trying to figure it out. And I think we're starting to see, you know, a kind of a, some, definitely some character changes and advances with, with her. And we'll see where it leads us throughout the season. Yeah, no, um, I agree. And it's, um, you know, this is a, it's interesting. I read, I was reading some article and, you know, it's like, we finally got to the episode that proves the handmaid's tale is what I've always thought it was torture porn. And, um, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't know. I think calling that show, I think calling the show that is not entirely correct. Um, mm. it's, you know, nothing that happens in this show, um, according to Margaret Atwood is nothing that did not, hasn't happened in the Bible or in real life. So I know that's kind of like the single source of truth that she's never really gonna make up a punishment or, uh, or something that has not already existed or exists in, in the world we live in today. I kind of disagree with that, but this, this was, you know, this was a brutal episode for, for many reasons. And I think, you know, this, um, <laughs> Lieutenant Stans that comes in, who is played by, I, I, I mean, he looked like a, like one of those kindly, you know, kind of TV evangelist, televangelist that, yeah. you know, but that, you know, as soon as the cameras are off, he, he turns into someone sick and twisted. Yeah. His like calm demeanor, the way he delivers the lines, I thought were like made it, you know, that much creepier, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's an actor named Reed Burney. And it's funny because when I was looking kind of at the cast on IMDb, they didn't even list him as Lieutenant Sands. They listed him as like a Gilead enthusiast or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, was this like to throw us off that he was going to basically play like a, you know, a chief torturer? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was just yeah. very kind of a, a fun, uh, an odd move, but um, I, I think his calm demeanor is one thing. And then I also think the fact that they say this like really messed up prayer, holy service, we are grateful to perform, you know, and then they proceed to waterboard June. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is just so. Yeah, I loved uh, how in that same, in that same scene, like right leading up to the waterboarding, how June said, you know, there is no, there is no light here. God has forsaken this place. And then he get, then, then he, the Lieutenant gives her that big jab right in the gut, oh. probably, probably right where she had uh, been injured. And you could just feel the pain when he did it. And it was just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it was, yeah, that was kind of a very unexpected. Yeah. Um, very unexpected, but she, she survives the waterboarding and and Aunt Lydia, I mean, this is another, you know, Gilead breaks down so many people. And, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Rita said it um, 
in in the earlier episode that um, you know Gilead brings out the worst in so many people, but it it, it brought out the best in June. And um, you know, I think kind of what you become in Gilead is what you're broken down to become. And we've seen the handmaids broken down, and and now I feel like we're seeing Aunt Lydia being broken down um, more more aggressively than previous seasons, you know, I don't really think the stab in the back did much to, uh, (laughs) did much to shake her spirit. But um, I think that, you know, you could tell there's a a shift when she spoke to the commanders earlier this season. Um, And she obviously looks like she was held and tortured for 19 days, as she um, very specifically noted. but the, this whole needlepoint scene, um, you know, to using it to maybe distract herself from the, yeah. the horror of June's screams. The thing about this, all through this episode, there's so many points where you have these like little moments of where just there's so much acting happening on everybody's faces in this mm. episode. I mean, it's all through it to the very end. And uh, this is kind of one of the first ones where you really get like character development without any words being said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's definitely a lot of that. Um, a lot of that happening in this episode. Um, um, so, you know, the waterboarding doesn't work. They move on to, they're on the verge of removing her fingernails. Um, and she, you know, spits out the big lie that, oh, they're in Vermont in a library at the university waiting to, uh, um, waiting to be brought over the border, um, you know, which just seemed too easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? Um, but I guess, you know, no one wants her fingernails ripped out. <laughs> Buy yourself some time. <laughs> and you, you could tell that little look, there's another kind of one of these little looks from Aunt Lydia mm-hmm. when the the lieutenant like marches out like all happy that you got the answer and Lydia has this look on her face like yeah mm, no she knows June too well that she was she didn't fall for it really but she couldn't say anything and she just had to wait it out yeah yeah and then I mean in the midst of this you know Luke finds out that she's been captured so, you know, he's kind of waiting. It was almost like a very reverse episode where he finds, he gets the note from this woman um, mm-hmm. who I just think of her as like a U.S. ambassador of, of some sort. And, you know, that first time he got the note from June through her and she was able to validate she was alive. And then this time it's, well, she's been captured and, you know, is she alive? yes you know at this point in time um and this is probably where our information ends because you know we won't find out about a trial we won't find out about a sentence nothing will be made public um you know which is yeah he's totally left in limbo you know i think luke you know I guess maybe because, you know, I'm a guy and I'm married and I have a daughter and, you know, I, I identify with Luke, you know, and mm-hmm. he's like not in the store that much because, you know, it's June's story, but um, his parts, I always am like tuned into him because like, I'm always wondering how he's doing, you know, and so when I see him in this and he's just totally left in limbo, he doesn't have any answers. Um nobody has any answers for him. And I just feel like the little um, story of planting the, is it a persimmon? persimmon? Yeah, the green persimmon. And I looked that up to see if it was like a thing. I didn't really find anything about it other than a lot of people like to jokingly try and feed people green persimmons, which are just unripe persimmons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I thought that was, that was a really nice gesture. And you know, I think the, the conversation he had with, um, you know, with, um, my God, why am I totally blanking on her name? Moira, Moira on the porch, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, we, we talked about kind of Moira in the second episode. I personally think there's a lot of kind of some odd jealousy there, but, um, yeah. you know, because I think, 
looking back at, uh, you know, June's relationship with her mother, it seems like her mother always kind of prized Moira as more of this like activist, you know, doing great stuff for, you know, the yeah. queer community and, and everything else. And June was just going to be like a housewife with this, you know, kind of editor job. Yeah. But I think, I do think Moira is a little jealous also, you know, she, like June's turning out to be a, like more of a badass than I think she could have ever yeah. hoped to. And, yeah. and, you know, I think that's also super confusing to Luke too, you know, cause you know, the big thing is Gilead changes everyone. And that's something Fred told, told Luke. And it's something that June actually told Luke in, in that audio cassette last year too. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think he's, he's so, it's been so long. It's been five years. Yeah. And I think that question that, that Luke uh, asked, did June choose this was really, you know, like it was kind of a big moment. Like, you know, that she isn't really choose it. I mean, obviously she's right. not in it, but from his perspective, sometimes, you know, I think it can be really, obviously she's in a lot worse place. I'm not saying that it's yeah. just, you know, like how he feels like, you know, left, you know, and yeah. abandoned to a degree. So um, he tries to soldier on and, and I think that in, in the scene where he plants the green persimmon, persimmon <laughs> uh, it kind of shows his renewed faith, right? That, yeah, you know, just gotta, yeah. just gotta keep going on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there was something he said where he said, you know, about her choice. And I think honestly, every choice anyone has the opportunity to make in Gilead is, is usually impossible in one way or another. You know, it's, yeah. it's a series of impossible choices. Um, but also he, he said something to the effect of, you know, she, she knew she may never see me again and yeah. may never see Nicole again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in some ways I just think, you know, from the beginning, she thought she was never going to see you again. You know, it's yeah. by a fluke that she even found out he was alive. You know, I think that's something that, you know, even June's choice to, to be with Nick in a way, you know, she made that choice at first without understanding that Luke was still alive. And, you know, once she'd made it, it was kind of like there was no going back. So I just think, yeah, it's, you know, he's in limbo, but I think he's just, you know, he's pretty disjointed from, I think, what it's really like there. Like, I'm sure yeah. Moira's told him some things, but. Yeah. yeah, living, it's a different thing than obviously hearing about it, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, one thing I was going to mention about that porch uh, conversation with Moira is, uh, it was at the very end of it, and uh, she says, God's been uh, looking out for her so far. And Luke's face uh, to me was, you know, just kind of crushing in a way because he kind of shakes his head just the littlest bit. And um, uh, to me, it was just really heartbreaking, you know, mm. like, yeah, he's been, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It was just this mo little moment. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Poor. <laughs> Poor Luke. I mean, I don't know. It's um, it's definitely an unusual position to be in for him, um, for sure. But um, you know, kind of uh, getting back to June because we want to talk about torture so much. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, that's just the way this this one goes uh, this time. You know, this is where I think one of the most entertaining and like kind of gut punch interactions between she and Lydia, like one of the more entertaining ones that I think they've ever had. Like they sass back and forth, but man, June was, yeah. she, she wasn't holding anything back. <laughs> yeah. She lays it all out on Lydia in this one. So yeah, really good. Uh, yeah. So let's, Let's hear about, let's hear that clip now. There's no meaning in this place except violence. You, you told those girls that if they followed the rules, they'd be 
Then you sent them out to be raped and beaten and humiliated over and over and over. You failed them. You shut your mouth! You failed. Didn't you? You failed your precious girls. It is your fault, Lydia. Lieutenant, your fault. Your fault, isn't it? Listen to me, it is your fault, isn't it? Get up. Get up. Get up, I said. You are a miserable beast. Lydia? What did you call me? I mean, I think that interaction, like you really see it impact Lydia. Like, I think this is the the only thing that's ever been said to Lydia in the course of this show that has had such an impact on her. Like you just see it all over her face. And I was just, I mean, it was, it was a, a, like, you know, you knew it wasn't gonna lead anywhere good, but it was still kind of this moment of triumph that it's like finally kind of something gets to this woman you know yeah. um i mean we've seen a couple instances like with the the veiling and the rings last season they had a very nice moment together there is the time when she found out june was pregnant where she's ringing the church bells and crying that i'm still never fully understood the why i mean that's why i always call aunt lydia an onion because i think she's got so many layers to her that that we still don't know about but man this time you could tell it hurt um, yeah, it went right to the bone with her, mm -hmm. you know, saying that she she failed them. You know, yes. it's yeah. just that's that's the worst thing to her. That and June knew it, and she went for it, and yeah, it really it really affected her. I mean, you could see it all over her face. Yeah, and then even the um, just you know Janine. Janine was so easy to turn against you, and and you know I thought back to that and. It was never really about turning it against Aunt Lydia, but it was about helping getting the children out. And yeah, Janine was like, hey, count me in. I'm brave. I can help you do this, you know, without hesitation. Um, and so, you know, June was right. It, it didn't take much. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh boy. I know. Um, so after this, they, they've figured out that she did not tell the truth about where the handmaids were. I loved, how, I loved how when they found out, like when, when Lydia comes in after they find out um, uh, that it's, you know, a fake, a fake location, the only thing she says to her is poor choice. Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it ended, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, this is like, it's impossible choices to make. It's impossible choices to make. And, you know, she tried and then they take her up to the roof of this horror prison. And oh, we see Beth and Sienna up there standing on the ledge of that building in the rain. Um, that was the worst elevator, elevator ride ever. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you just like, I mean, June just sucked in her breath when she saw those two up there. And, um, you know, that was something at the beginning of the season, I kind of thought, I think we're gonna see people that we really know and like die this season. And people that have been on, you know, for longer than just Eleanor was. I think Eleanor was kind of a really, you know, unsurprising death yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, and 
well, you know, the, you know, this year they'd probably be less surprising because they're fighting. It's, I think just hurts more because it's people that have been on for yeah. several seasons. And yeah, I think we saw four people die. Mm-hmm. Two we hadn't seen before. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to get the roof and Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, um, I always really um, loved the character Beth, even from before she was teamed up with June in the Lawrence house. I, mm-hmm. I just love the interactions, you know, between she and, and Nick at Jezebel's. Like I thought she was just, you know, kind of like cool and had been this James Beard nominated chef. And, you know, she was just like getting through it. I don't know. I just always thought she was great. And when they're up there and remembering how like sick she was the morning they were going to get the kids out because she was just like so nervous and scared when she's just like June don't tell them anything and I was just like man you know she's and then she got the shove and um then I I think what was worse oh god I'm probably going to start crying this was a really like this was might might be the hardest episode to date um, I don't, I don't know for me emotionally, but, um, um, when she has that interaction with Sienna and they're just, you know, it's like no words are spoken. It's just kind of some head nods and eyes and they're, they have each other's hands and, and, you know, her, her last word is June. She was going to say something after that. And I mean, I, I don't know what it it would have been if it would have been that it was okay or or to please save her it was it's so hard to tell in that moment it was just so uh so awful so awful and yeah just another great example of how the i mean again i think she um uh, did great directing because there's all these great little moments that she was able to elicit from the actors that like i said there's no dialogue there's just uh you know looking at one another and you know, making eye contact and some, you know, a little bit of, uh, it's just, it was pretty uh, devastating in that sense. And you knew where it was all headed. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I kind of was a little surprised after she went off and the lieutenant left her by that edge. I was like, this would have been like the opportunity. I would have thought she would have jumped up and jumped right off the roof herself, to be honest, to try to like, to save the rest of the uh, handmaids. I kind of, uh, you know what I mean? Like the, I wouldn't have put it past June for sacrificing herself at that point to, yeah. to uh, just to save them. So it's kind of one of those things I was worried that might happen. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I I agree. That would have been an opportunity. Um, that that lieutenant was uh, uh, was something else in that scene too because he uh, had another one of these great deadpan lines that he does where he says, "What a crazy night, huh?" God. <laughs> he really is super creepy super super creepy I mean I'm I'm kind of surprised after that that um they didn't just take her back down and and do some type of I mean they put her in that lock box and locked her in it it must have been yeah. on a timer because then it later just kind of springs open but um yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just go result to kind of, kind of a more in-person uh, torture, but then again, maybe they wanted her to reflect on, you know, to kind of be alone with her thoughts and the fact that, you know, two of her friends um, were just killed because of her actions. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting, I think there's like weird little um, uh, moments in it where like we had talk about choice in it throughout the episode a couple of times, whether it's June's choice or her choice to, uh, you know, do all the, you know, get the kids out and like that, the word choice is used a lot, you know, like that it's, that is in it, that's kind of a little bit of a theme, um, you know, June choosing to stay and June's choice to, uh, to be so active. Uh, so that, that's an interesting theme. And then also uh, the box. So June's in a box and Hannah's in a box. So, I don't know. I don't know if that what that's meant, but that's I kind of like, and it's not far off in time frame. So mm. I kind of saw it as like June in this kind of like torture box. And uh, the other thing I kind of noticed in general about all these little scenes that happen inside the prison is to me they're all like nightmares. And they're like these little frightening vignettes mm-hmm. um, that are created through the 
through the episode uh, that are kind of stylized and they remind you of like other horrible things that you've seen uh you know like there's kind of like a saw feel to some of this yes. movie and i've yeah. only seen like part of one saw movie right. but i kind of get that <laughs> from this this movie so or this, this show so um yeah i don't know it's kind of strange but yeah, yeah you're in the box that part was really creepy and then you're right like when that door pops open and like she kind of like emerges from the box it was kind of it was unsettling well, you know, I mean, you mentioned the box and something else that happens in that box is she starts singing heaven is a place on earth again, which is what she was singing inside her head the whole time she was stuck in that room with of Matthew, when of Matthew was hospitalized, which, you know, is a much lighter, brighter box, but she spent the majority of her time in there on her knees. And that's when she kind of started losing it. And she started singing that again. And I'm just like, okay, is this what does this mean? Because she lost it last time, but mm -hmm. she also sang it when she was hit with a realization of what she was going to do next by getting the kids out and <clears throat> then kind of, you know, carrying on with, with that plan. So it does kind of come from a place of craziness, but it's like also kind of her place of survival, I think, too, at this point, yeah, you know. That's the vision is kids playing in the street at night again. You know, that's heaven on earth when those yeah. kids are, are free to play in the street again. Um, it's just kind of what I yeah. I kept thinking. Um, it was a nice juxtaposition because I think it was right around that time that um, I think uh, where I think maybe the persimmon scene happened somewhere around there. So it was kind of yes. like, there was an interesting play between her being isolated. In, in such a horrible position and uh, Luke and baby Nicole, uh, you know, planting the, the hope. Yeah. So it was yeah. interesting. Yes, it did. One, one scene, her singing bled into that next scene with them. Uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, now we have the, one of the weirdest dinner parties uh, ever <laughs> on TV. I think, you know, maybe since, Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> I see that in your notes and it's very on yeah. point. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, it was very spooky. And I thought about all that food that was out and poor, poor June only got some bisque, it looked like. Yeah, I was really worried. I was like, don't eat anything. It could be poisoned. I mean, that's how kind of, you know, I don't know, uh, crazy this show is, you think you know, kind of anything. We did get some really good information from, from this scene too, though, about um, her operation uh, at the, uh, at the brothel, that nine, nine commanders were in the hospital and six were dead for yes. some, from some bad liquor. Yeah. And I love her response. Hmm, bad luck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh gosh, uh, Commander Lawrence. Um, I love Bradley Whitford and I, you know, I have since his West Wing days, but um, he, I mean, he, Commander Lawrence is just, you know, he's getting, he's getting his mojo back. That's for sure. And I don't necessarily think it's a good thing because like Nick, it's really hard to kind of tell where he's at in this story, you know? Um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons um, what this exchange between her and, and Lawrence and this is so interesting. We, we kind of find out, I don't know, so much more. It's, it's kind of like a big reveal, but it's also kind of an obvious one too um, about what Gilead really is. Um, and I'm gonna play that clip now. John. Or they will hurt Hannah. They will hurt her. No, Gilead. They have never hurt a child. That's all they care about. 
Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Faithfulness, old-time values, homemade bread. That's just the means to the end. It's a distraction, window dressing. I thought you would have figured that out by now. I thought you were going to clean up your mess. from the end of a rope. This is where we are. Well. Go fuck yourself. I don't know, John, what do you think that the big reveal about Gilead is it's just been about power all along and the children and the baked bread and, you know, the family values are all just window dressing. Yeah, I think uh, in, in hindsight, I think a lot of it makes sense that it was, you know, these guys that want, really just wanted to take power and take control of everything and easiest way to do that is through uh, a religious uh, fervor and uh, yeah, I, yeah, it was it was good reveal though. I mean, it was a good to hear hear him say it and admit it. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was really nice. Well, and you know, I guess we got an inkling of that. There, you know, I remember a scene in <clears throat> one of the earlier seasons where Nick's driving, and you know it's early days, and commanders are talking about you know they create the ceremony, right? And oh, nice and godly, the wives will eat that up, mm-hmm. you know. So it was always about you know that's how they spun them, basically having the handmaids in the house as as concubines, um, you know, breeding concubines. Um, and you know it is you know you look at our own political system, and it is all about grabbing power and. I think if anything, we've seen over the last few years that any type of values, like it's, there's not even window dressing on it anymore in terms of the Republican party. It's, you know, (laughs) there are no more family values that they spout and it's, it's just something very, very different. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. um, So, yeah. um, What did you think of that line that he said at the very, at the very end where he said, motherhood has always been an evolutionary puzzle to me. Well, I think, you know, he, he mentioned something last season too, and how he's always underestimated kind of the power of motherhood and those maternal feelings when, you know, June was talking about how I am her mother. And he's like, no, she has another mother now. How I guess he, you know, as someone who didn't ever want kids himself, um, not with his wife, not with June, when he, you know, gave her contraception after he was, he was forced to have sex with her. I think just the whole kind of paternal instinct is just not in him. Paternal, you know, no, no parental instinct whatsoever. And he's, he's truly baffled. Um, but he knows the strength of it within June. Yeah. And that's, so, and that's how he, he uses it right against her. Yeah. 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 No. And you know, he, he knows enough that to know that's what was going to break her. Although it's unclear if it was his idea or if it was um, Nick's idea. I almost think it was Nick's idea. Yeah. At the end, we think we kind of get a little bit of a hint that Nick, Nick had a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about the alliance between Nick and Lawrence? Like, it's uh, they have that mm-hmm. kind of like man cave scene where they're hanging out by the fire. And I mean, it's um, it's. I mean, this is also I think of a great you know example of Gilead is about power. Because when we first meet Nick, he's just a driver, although we know he's also an I and he's, you know, kind of like the hidden right man of um, 
the former commander that basically got him into this whole rigmarole at the, you know, the job placement company, uh, which is super bizarre. But, you know, now here is Nick, you know, sitting, drinking Lawrence's really great scotch with him in front of the fire in a suit with, um, you know, and he's, he's got a lot of agency, you know, he helps, he saved Lawrence. And it's, it's unclear if he did that to gain more power for himself, if he did that to uh, help June stay alive, um, if he's doing that to perhaps work from the inside to take down Gilead. I mean, it's all very up in the air what his true motives are at this point. It's, um, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Lawrence is like, you can't save her, you know, and he, he just can't move on. Right. So he's, so I think that in that sense, they kind of use some, that scene to, in a way, um, maybe start to rehabilitate Nick's character, I think, to a certain degree that, you know, he's, his feelings are real for her. He can't help himself. Yeah. Um, Lawrence is trying to, you know, convince him, you know, some, you know, sometimes, you know, like, I forget exactly what he said during it, but it's like, well, maybe she's kind of done her job kind of thing, you know, that he, uh, that, that now it's time to let it go. And he's like, no, I can't give up on her, you know? Yeah. So I think that was a good scene for some Nick growth, even though I'm, like I said, I'm not a, not a huge fan of him, but I think it, it showed that there's might be more substance to him than, than, uh, than I might've thought. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I agree. Although I, I, I do still think he's responsible for putting Hannah in that box. And then of course the scene where June's brought in to see Hannah is also really heartbreaking. And, you know, I'm trying to think of about how much time has passed since she last saw Hannah and Hannah saw her and knew who she was. It was basically the same day she gave birth to Nicole or <clears throat> or the day before and Hannah had remembered her at that point and you know very lovingly and so I and to think that it's maybe only 18 months of time I mean that the baby only looks like maybe about 18 months old at this yeah. point yeah. Um, makes you wonder what they have been doing to her to make her forget June of course we know that Martha died and um, they had to move and maybe they've been telling her your you know your mom killed your Martha which you know in a non-roundabout way is is true Um, you know it wasn't intentional but I just feel like that kid is being brainwashed or drugged or um, yeah something yeah it's that that whole scene is June's worst nightmare right I Mm -hmm. mean uh, when Hannah screams out when she sees her and she's so terrified and um, she's essentially lost everything that yeah she holds most dear that's most cherished to her that she's been fighting for so yeah it was pretty pretty tough in a tough a tough episode a tough scene in a tough episode yeah and well I know that you know we're not going to give any spoilers away but we're going to be talking about the testaments at the end of the season and you know, I think probably both of us have been wondering how are they going to ladder up to get to that point in those books because there's a lot that needs to happen. And, um, you know, the one thing that was very clear when Hannah was in that box and, and she and June, they were just looking at each other for a really long time. And so yeah. I have, you know, and, and she did hear Lydia say, call June, June Osborne. Um, as well and so I'm just like I don't know maybe that's like some shred maybe she maybe she'll remember I don't know but um, uh, you know um, that was uh, you know again very brutal and then when Lydia gets June back to her cell June's ready to die she's ready for the wall I mean she just says it so calmly she's like I'm ready 
you know, ready for what, dear? <laughs> it's like yeah. so bizarre. And yeah. you think Lydia's probably ready for it too, because she she kind of said that, you know, she'll be on the wall. And it wasn't the first time she said she should be on the wall. You know, she said it that one time she tried to see Hannah before. No, there's not going to be a wall for June. Uh, no. She tells her that you, you, you'll all live out your days in a blessed cycle of service in the yeah. colony. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, a Magdalene colony, which, um, you know, um, I don't know how many people know about the Magdalene laundries that were um, very common in Ireland, you know, kind of, I think, from the beginning of the 1900s, even through the 1960s. But, you know, it's a place where young women who ended up pregnant and were not married um, were sent to for the duration of their pregnancies and then usually to live out their rest of their lives in some type of hard labor and you know maybe it was professional laundry or something else but they're just known to be super brutal brutal places and so kind of knowing about you know that historical context and you know the fact that which i think this is bizarre because when women are sent to the colonies the radiation is so high that's what kills them and um I would think that that is not a fit place to send women who are trying to conceive and, and get a, you know, birth a child. Um, yeah. Maybe it was just kind of more hard labor and not necessarily the, the toxic cleanup, but yeah. um, still not, not a, sounds like not a great place. Um, I thought this kind of scene too was also Lydia kind of um, turning the tables again on June. It was her chance to, tell tell June what she thought of uh kind of thought of her after uh after Lydia got it in the last scene they were together and where she says it was uh, your responsibility your fault your choice mm -hmm. that everybody's in this position because of you and, and what you did um so it was a good kind of table turn uh on June uh yeah definitely this start of a new adventure yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, part of me, I mean, I think, I think June was ready to die for two reasons. One, I think, because of Hannah, and Hannah just not knowing her anymore. But I think also there had to be some guilt, you know, she in the end, she ratted out um, the other handmaids. And, you know, I do think there has to be something associated with I let them down. And, you know, I'm so ashamed and I don't want to live with that shame and I don't want to have to see them again as well was yeah. kind of something I was thinking. It was like a twofold, just kill me now, <laughs> yeah. literally. Um, but uh, I don't know. Then we, see, then we see the scene where June's getting bathed and we see all her many wounds and scars and, um, you know, just the physical ones, um, I yeah. think. But um, they, you know, Aunt Lydia dresses her and sends her off. And then she's sent to walk down this lane where she sees Nick again. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he says Hannah's back with her family. And, you know, she breaks down because she, you know, didn't know her. And they exchanged some I love yous and a lot of kissing. And it was very romantic. And also, you know, kind of twisted like, wow, you're really accepting the fact that, you know, he's okay with you going to this camp and not really doing anything to get you out. Um, yep. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was in this scene where it really brought up the point of when he apologizes to me, it really did kind of, well, he seemed to be apologizing for what happened with Hannah. Cause it was hmm. right in that scene where he's saying, okay, Hannah's back with her family. She's safe. And then he's apologizing about it. So to me, I think he had the, did really have the the hand and knowing what her pressure point would be that ultimately if you get to Hannah that's that's how you could get to June yeah yeah no I think um I think you're right there um so yeah um I don't know and now we have this end scene which June is in the the birth mobile with Aunt Lydia and they lost a handmaid along the way. I'm sorry, they arrested six at the farmhouse. There were six with them. And um, 
I don't understand how only five of them and June ended up in there. There should have been seven total, but that's just me counting, <laughs> doing math, um, which, which maybe is too much for this show. You know, it was so tense in that mm. van. And, you know, Aunt Lydia's all trying to make small talk and, you know, she's, she realizes it's tense, but she's, she's, you know, she's thinking about what June said. You know, yeah. she, you see her look at Janine once and, and you know, that's, that's weighing on her pretty heavily. And yeah. then, you know, they stop at the at this train and when, really, um, oh, go ahead. I really, I really thought that inside that van, when they, the way they lit it, it looked like with the red curtains, it looked like blood was streaming on the windows. Mm. I know that's weird, but like, it gave this like weird look of like, if, if blood was going down the windows, that's what it would look like. Cause it's just like really veiled red streaks going down. So to me, it made it like that much more disturbing. And so, yeah, it just gave me a, a weird feeling from the get go in that van and yeah. like just all the tension that was building up. Uh, you're right. Like so that, when that van, when the van stops immediately, again, the eye contact between all these actresses, uh, told the story you know of, I, of, of what was going to happen next yeah. you know and i was like sitting on my couch going prison break prison break like you know the dog's looking at me like i'm crazy because i'm <laughs> starting to yell and and it was just i mean it was amazing and i swear to god there's a moment where aunt lydia knows exactly what's going to happen and she's terrified and then it does um <laughs> you know they uh june overpowers her they all escape um, it was so exciting, you know, they were running, they had this just like look of, you know, like freedom on their face. Um, yeah. and it was so glorious for a few moments until, you know, and for a minute, I thought the driver was in on it until he started shooting at him. And, um, you know, two of, two of the handmaids go down and then, you know, this train is coming and June and Janine are out in front running and then you look back and you just see Brianna and Alma get wiped out by the train. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, yeah. and you don't hear the dialogue between June and Janine, but you, you can read the lips. Yeah. Which then yeah. leads into this flashback of them in the gym. Sorry. Yeah. Oh God, this one really got me. It was like, Oh, I cried. It, I watched this episode three times to, you know, twice to prepare for the show. And I cried at the end every single time and just, ooh, it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. All, all that uh, communi nonverbal communication that happened throughout the episode circles all the way back around to the, to the early days of the gymnasium. So it all kind of makes sense. So yeah. was, again, I think another great job of her directing and the writing uh, was so strong. Uh, I also think it's also pretty interesting. Remember like when they're in that, um, in the van and June is about to clock Aunt Lydia with the, uh, with the uh, cattle prod uh, and Lydia, Aunt Lydia keeps saying, don't do it, don't do it. And he kind of makes you again, think, kind of where's Aunt Lydia's character going to go right because uh obviously some mercy was shown Aunt Lydia right there yeah uh, so well and I, you know what Aunt Lydia didn't seem to be afraid either she was more it, you know it wasn't like she didn't seem afraid she it was like she was trying to send June a message and maybe that message is it's like you don't want to kill me because I'm I'm like one of your only hopes I don't know um yeah yeah. Yep. Ooh. It wasn't a light episode. Let's just say that. No, it was not. In fact, um, I was talking to someone earlier today before we hopped on and she goes, I watched the first two episodes. She's like, I don't know if I can watch the third episode because I hear it's the worst one they've ever had. And, and she's like, I might wait until the fourth, that fourth episode is out so I can just go from the third to the fourth and not have a whole week to kind of be mulling in the tragedy that is uh, that is episode three yeah. of season four. Um, yeah, 
I kind of think this one was, um, it was definitely up there with some of those early episodes in season one where you're kind of being introduced to the horrors of Gilead and this one kind of, uh, you know, brought, brought it to the forefront again after it, in some seasons it kind of didn't, it didn't get emphasized as much, right? They did more storytelling and world building and, and less about the brutality of it. And this one brought back the brutality in a big way. Mm, yeah, no, it, um, it, it really, really did. Um, and it's just, um, I don't know. And the look on June's face at first, I couldn't tell if it was just shock or it, in, in some way relief. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a brutal one, but it definitely, um, you know, um, I would say it's going to get better after this, but I think last season was such a roller coaster too. There were so many highs and then it really plummeted to a low with, um, particularly when she was in the hospital with of Matthew that, you know, it's, it's hard to tell, um, how much more of a roller coaster this is going to be because we hit a pretty definite low, uh, three episodes in and there are only seven more, but I'd expect there's probably at least going to be one more pretty brutal low episode is what I anticipate, but, but hopefully there'll be a lot of those triumphant moments that I think kind of make, make this show very, you know, worth watching from a story standpoint. And I mean, the acting's just always incredible. And I think, you know, I will always remember this scene in the van where they are communicating with their eyes. That's, you know, and that's Aunt Lydia's creation too. She, she forced these girls to rely on no one other than themselves and to form kind of a very intense bond of sisterhood to help each other through the rape and the torture and the humiliation. Um, and yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't think they're gonna, uh, it, I don't think they're gonna let June have another opportunity to escape again. After this one, it's like how, how, nobody can keep a hold of her. She's like an eel. Well, they're almost better just letting her go to better off letting her go to Canada, right? Because yeah, the longer she stays in Gilead, influencing people, as long as she's in the country to like, you know, do chaos, the the longer they're going to have to fight her. And she does seem to be somewhat not necessarily indestructible, but you know, she's she's crafty. Um, yeah. And, She's public enemy number one, pretty much. Oh yeah, yeah, most most definitely. Um, wow, who who knew when this? Nothing that has happened, I think, in the last couple of seasons was anything I was thinking even at the end of season one of this. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. It's gone in a lot of different directions. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it overall. Yeah, well. John, any parting words? Any anything else that's on your mind? I think I think we covered the grim, the grimness of this. Um, no, I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to uh, maybe at the end of the season uh, us getting back together to talk about the yeah. testaments, and then we can kind of look at uh, what progress happened throughout the season to see uh, the arc that's going to happen to to get to that story. Yeah. No, I'm really excited too as well, and. And trust me, anyone who's listening, if you haven't read the book, I'll put spoilers all, you know, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler all over, um, all over the that podcast. So, you know, um, so, you know, you know that to avoid it if you really want to, or to, you know, find out what's really going to happen with Gilead. Um, anyway, well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun if it's possible yeah. to say that. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and more than ever before, don't let the bastards grind you down. Stick around. I'll make you that pesto that got me a James Beard nomination. You know, I was studying for the MCATs before. I was gonna be a radiologist. I'm not a fucking child. I never ate brunch. Too many eyes and ears before. He said he wanted to help. I need you to go back to Jezebel's. What? They've been trying to get a package out of there. Find Rachel at the bar. Wait, how did he know I was there? I don't normally just do. So can you go back? 
how? I don't know. Figure it out. What's in the package? I just know it's important. And don't open it either. Add it until someone contacts you. Look, you came to me. And this is what they need now. Can they count on you or not? 